When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NA, or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Well, it's been a stressful week. I want to thank all of those of you who have reached out to us over the past few days, and we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages and comments uh, expressing sympathy for us having to say goodbye to Haggis. It's very weird doing this without him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we we feel good about the timing, and uh, the last thing I want to do is prolong an animal's suffering just for my benefit. So um, we made the choice earlier this week and it's been awful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Those of you who have gone through this, and I'm guessing almost all of you have at one point in your life, it's the little things like a day or two later that you think like maybe you're starting to feel a little better about things. Uh, Then you find one of their toys under the sofa. Right. (sighs) Just coming up here to get ready to record, my process was always check and see what Haggis's situation was. Right. Is he settled? Can we go up and record or should I snag him and bring him up with us? Even things like when I take my bra off, because I would think, <laughs> well, I should take him out before I take my bra off. Right. You know, everything. He, that little man affected everything. Yeah. In the most wonderful, beautiful way. And it's been tough, but... We uh, we really appreciate the outpouring of love and support on social media. It's it's been outrageous, and uh, and also the love and support that uh, we've we've got from um, the doorman in our building. I was so surprised when I told him when we were getting into the taxi. I told him in Spanish, "Haggis isn't coming back." And he started to cry. He started crying. And I was like, okay, well, I can't handle that. (laughs) But then when we came back, we came inside and we took about an hour to kind of settle down. And then we had to go run some errands. So we left the apartment and the doorman saw us and, you know, kind of put his hand over his heart. Yeah. And we were like, thank you. And I said, but we are going to get... And because I'm stumbling in Spanish, I'm kind of going slow. And I'm like, uh, vamos, uh, you know, and I said, we are going to get, and he went, another pet? <laughs> just, yes, that's a bit, a bit too soon. I had to laugh. I was like, it's been an hour. 
But uh, thank you again, everybody, for your outpouring of, of love and support. And um, that's what you get when you love stuff. It's the worst. Would you like to go first today? I would, yes. Okay. I don't know how long I can keep this facade up. <laughs> I understand. And you will have to excuse me, as you probably have guessed, I've been struggling and I am really going outside of the norm as far as the box of oddities goes this week. My stories are not what we typically talk about and I hope that you'll forgive me, but I needed some some good bits in my day. Some feel good stuff. Yeah. I get that. So come with me now to 2017. It's March in Manitoba and the weather is very manitoba Eileen Eagle Bears, who's 18 years old, finds herself cozied up at home near the town of Minto. It's about 215 kilometers southwest of Winnipeg. Snow's falling outside. She and her mom are keeping an eye on the traffic cams that showcase the wild goings on of Manitoba's highways. That night, they spotted a trucker parked on Highway 10, about five kilometers away from their house. Eileen's heart goes out to the stranded driver, and she hatches a plan. If that truck is still there in the morning and stuck still, she's going to rustle up some help for that fella. So the next morning, they wake up. The truck is still sitting there, seemingly glued to the highway. And by the way, in Canada, they're known for rustling up help for that fella. You know that that's the case. Eileen wastes no time. She fills up a thermos with piping hot coffee and saddles up her horse, Mr. Smudge. (laughs) She and Mr. Smudge brave the icy hills and unpredictable conditions of a Manitoba snowstorm. They battle treacherous drifts and the slick aftermath of rain. Finally, they arrive at the stranded truck. Imagine this trucker's surprise when he awakens to find a determined teenager standing outside his truck, (laughs) coffee in hand. On horseback. The trucker, Winnipeg resident Peter Douglas, said she had to walk that horse a half a mile up a hill and a half mile down because it was so icy. It blew me away. She said that she saw me on camera, that she and her family were watching. Now, it's not every day that you wake up in a stranded truck to a tiny girl on horseback with a thermos full of coffee for you. She's like this real life hero. Naturally, he expressed gratitude for the coffee, and Eileen, being the kind-hearted soul that she is, promised him a proper dinner if he was still stuck come (laughs) supper time. Evening comes, and this poor guy is still stranded. So Eileen and Mr. Smudge ride out once again, armed with more coffee and a hot meal of stew, and I assume biscuits. Why would you assume biscuits? Because it's stew. And, it and comes with biscuits. <laughs> they're known for their biscuit stews? No, they just come together. Stew and biscuits. Okay. Is that not... Do you not think of stew and biscuits of going together? I would really like to have some stew and biscuits right now. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> Finally, as Tuesday night descended upon them, the trucker was able to continue on his journey. All in all, he had been stuck for 28 hours. Oof. But thanks to Eileen, he was back on the road, chock full of stew and hot coffee. And and maybe biscuits. And maybe biscuits, possibly biscuits. I assume biscuits. Eileen had traveled on horseback in the remnants of a snowstorm, five kilometers each way, 
twice. So her mom, proud as could be, shared the story on Facebook and it just blew up. Eileen's act of kindness is a beautiful example of how small an act can be, but it can cause huge ripples of positivity and capture the hearts Mm. and attention of people far and wide. You just never know how it's going to ripple out. I remember hearing a story about a woman who was going to work in a building in New York City and she saw somebody coming into the building, obviously not having a good day. And so she opened the door for the woman. Later, she ran into the woman and and the woman said to her, you saved my life because I was going up to the top of the building to jump off because I didn't think anybody cared about me. And that small act of kindness uh, demonstrated to me that Maybe there are people who care. That's a wonderful story. I'm just adding to your good bits. I love it. Traveling south to Massachusetts. Just a week after Glenda and Rafi Savitz welcomed their daughter Samantha into the world, they received unexpected news. She was deaf. They said she was actually the first deaf person that they had ever known. So it was a surprise and a bit of a challenge. But despite her inability to hear, Samantha has an incredible desire to communicate with anyone who knows sign language. Her personality is engaging, and she will eagerly strike up a conversation with anyone who can understand her. (laughs) The Savitz family had recently moved into a little neighborhood in Newton, Massachusetts. This is a tight-knit community with about 100 houses and families who have resided there for decades. This is the kind of community that when the family first arrived, a neighbor dropped by with a directory of everyone in the neighborhood, complete with photos. And contact information. Wow, that's borderline creepy. No, I love it. (laughs) Nowadays, I don't think I would really care to have my neighbor distributing my photo and personal information. I'm sure they all agreed to to it. To to a newbie that, that you don't know. Interestingly, the one who had dropped off this directory, their family had lived there for 17 years and they referred to themselves as the newbies. The newbies, wow. So this is that kind of community. And Samantha's longing for interaction was evident to everyone in the neighborhood. When she would go out for a walk or play in the yard, she would attempt to engage with people around her. But she was frustrated because they couldn't communicate with her. And the neighbors felt the frustration as well. As I said, they were really committed to being good community members. And this was a bummer for them. So... Knowing that Sam was unable to learn their language to make sure that this one little girl knew that she was part of the community, they decided to learn hers. The whole community. Several neighbors quietly signed up for a local adult education class in American Sign Language. And there they met a teacher that they really loved. His name was Reese McGovern. And they were so impressed by his teaching style and his expertise, they went to him and asked him if he would be willing to come to the neighborhood and teach more of the neighbors. Excited about the initiative, immediately 20 neighbors signed up for the ASL class. Oh my God. That's amazing. That is so heartwarming. Right? We need more of this in the world. 
They were just frustrated that they couldn't communicate with this one little girl. And their efforts were paying off. They were able to communicate with Samantha in ways that they hadn't thought possible before. They were able to ask her questions like, are you riding your bike? Or uh, commenting on her new pink sneakers. There was a dog that lived across the street that Samantha loved to play with. And now everyone knew the sign for dog because Samantha loved that dog. Reese, the ASL teacher, expressed admiration for the community's dedication. He noted that even many parents of deaf children don't learn sign language. And here, this neighborhood Mm. of strangers, again, this family had lived in this neighborhood for three months. They didn't know who these people were. Exactly. They didn't have an emotional connection to them. Other than seeing the little girl trying to communicate. That's beautiful. Isn't it? The Savitzes and their neighbors were already witnessing positive changes in Samantha. Her neighbors would describe how she would light up when she would see them after class, immediately greeting them with the sign for friend. Shut up. (laughs) I don't even care. Of course, communication barriers can isolate individuals. And Samantha's story and and her neighbor's story serves as an incredible witness to the power of unity. The neighborhood went above and beyond to make sure that this little two-year-old felt included and valued in their community. That's beautiful. Actually, you know, now that I think about it, in our current divisive um, environment... Uh, In the world today, maybe it is an oddity when you see somebody showing kindness. I hope not. Me too. I got my information from NPR, from CBS, the CBC, and Cyber News Winnipeg. Great stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for allowing me to divert a little bit just to (laughs) keep me sane. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. 
I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. And now, that thing in the middle. So you've got all your holiday shopping done. Everything's wrapped and put in the mail. Now all you have to do is hope that it gets there in time. Well, take some comfort in this. Residents of the Galapagos Island of Florinia have a very unusual mail system. It's a barrel on a dock. You just throw your mail in, totally disorganized. And tourists are responsible for sorting through the mail and grabbing any parcels they can deliver on their way to wherever they're going. Jordan writes to us, Hey Kat and JG, I was just listening to Box 596 where Kat talks about Richard Dawson and all the kissing that went on in Family Feud back in the day. I watched the game show network with my grandma and remember asking her why he always kisses women. Shudders. It gives me the creeps. Just yesterday, I sent my mom a screenshot attached that talks about how Richard Dawson made women take herpes tests before coming on the show. What? That makes it creepier Couldn't than Couldn't you ever. just not kiss them? Love the podcast. Often listen while making dinner, so thanks for the cooking company. Jordan, she, her. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I, I don't know if I have to fact check that, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Ugh. Hannah sent us a message. I've been working my way through Box of Oddities episodes starting at the beginning. Thank you, Hannah. And was listening to Box 102 today. Jethro was talking about the out-of-body experiences and mentioned Danian Brinkley, who received psychic abilities after being struck by lightning while being on a telephone. Yeah, I remember that. I've been binging Unsolved Mysteries recently because why not? <laughs> and seriously just watched the episode with Danian Brinkley. So odd. I've been thinking about you guys to tell you about how you're wonderful and I love listening to you throughout my workday. And now it seemed like I had needed a sign to do so. Thank God that sign didn't involve me being struck by lightning like Danian. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. And then this email, Kat and JG, this is the first time I've ever emailed you guys, but I'm proud to announce that Spotify Wrapped showed me that my 1.5-year-old and I are in the top 0.5% listeners of Box of Oddities. Wow. Ever since I was pregnant, 
I would play the podcast at night and it would lull her to sleep and stop kicking around in there. Then the past year and a half, I play this podcast at night and it's like the Pavlov effect. She goes right to bed. (laughs) It's the absolute best. We love listening to you guys and are grateful for all you do. And she sent a screenshot and it says, uh, you listened to the Box of Oddities for 28,600 minutes. (laughs) We've seen so many incredible Spotify wrapped. I am blown away. Yeah, that figures out to something like 19 days. That's incredible. I'll bet you wish you had those 19 days back. (laughs) Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class. Part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to Zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. Your New Year's resolution? Just tell one friend to subscribe to this podcast. And if you don't, we know where you live. Remember, this is the box of oddities well the holiday season of course is upon us and uh there are so many things that we just take for granted about the holidays things that we've been told for generations that we 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 just believe to be true and we're going to look at some of these misunderstandings uh particularly christmas misunderstandings the first thing and we've been told this or taught this as children for generations that December 25th marks Jesus's birthday. Right. Yeah. No. Roman theologian Hippolytus plays kind of a a calendar chef. He mixes in a a pinch of astronomy and a little bit of Christian lore. And uh, December 25th comes out on a silver platter. History buffs and biblical scholars alike raise a skeptical brow about the 25th being Jesus's birthday. And there's a number of historical 
facts that back that up. And in a number of things in the Bible, like, for example, those shepherds, they weren't exactly wintering their flocks when our boy JC made his debut. And the gestation calculations, it doesn't work out. It's estimated that probably Jesus's birth was sometime in March. March. In March. Well, I think if we have an immaculate conception, maybe we can have an immaculate gestation as well. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> and Jesus was not born in the year zero. No, I mean, it <laughs> wouldn't have been. I there, mean, that. There's no. no such thing as the year zero, first of all. But if he's zeroed down on the information that's in the Bible, the consensus is that he was born somewhere around. 4 BCE, give or take a couple of years. Could have been anywhere from 6 to 2 BC. Now, I know that this isn't your point at all, but I'm now curious, at the time in that part of the world, what would they have called that year? That's a great question. I don't have the answer to, but I love the question. Freaks! King Herod's demise sets the stage it's kind of an historical curtain call. It gives us kind of a ballpark figure. And then Luke throws us a curveball, suggesting uh, Jesus hit the big 3-0 in the year 33 CE. So you do the math. While the modern calendar got uh, Christ's nativity notched at a neat 2,023 years ago, uh, history tells us the timeline is a bit more tangled. You know, my mom, until she was in her 30s, thought that her birthday was two days after her actual birthday because her mom was not a very good mom. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, you know, just got confused and was like, oh, yeah, your birthday's on this day. And wow. it, it just wasn't. And that didn't take place nearly over as many years <laughs> that's, as, that's true. as this has. Yeah. So I can definitely see how there would be some confusion. The idea that Christmas trees have always been part of how we celebrate Christmas. Mm. Not, not so. Before the evergreens got tangled up with tinsel and lights, they were really pretty much, a well, the life of a pagan party. Sure. Symbols of everlasting life amidst the darkest days of the year. Right, because they're evergreen. Right. The Renaissance comes along and it sparks uh, a tree evolution or a treevolution, if you will. <laughs> German Protestants started a new trend, and again, during the Renaissance, by dragging the forest into their living room for Yuletide. It wasn't just a botanical fad, but it was a full-grown cultural transplant. A uh, German king puts, on a, puts a crown on his head in England, and suddenly it's a cross-channel evergreen exchange. It moves from Germany to England and then ultimately into the parlors of the New World's well-to-do. These trees had no roots in the gospel, so to speak. They were an imported tradition, an echo of ancient rites. And it really just started out, hey, we hate winter. Mm. Uh, it's bleak. It's dark. Let's put something green in our house to remind us that maybe better days are coming. So I, it's, it's, it's the story of a cultural crossover. I love that. Now let's talk about the war on Christmas. Um, there is no war on Christmas. Yeah, no, I think that's important. To <laughs> You'll find less of a war zone and more of a marketplace hustle. The commercial blitz begins, well, even before Halloween is over in the U.S., and we couldn't believe how early the Christmas decorations and Christmas uh, 
ornaments were available here in Ecuador. Mm. It was like right after what we would call Labor Day. The war, quotes, was born from a 1959 John Birch Society pamphlet that warned of a red scare under every wreath that communists were taking Christmas away from us. Ah, uh, yes. The and commies. The trying commies. to ruin everything. Yep. So you fast forward, it's less about commies stealing Christmas, and it's more about a cultural tug of war over who gets the party under the mistletoe. Uh, but let's be real. The shopping season's front line has advanced well into autumn, and uh, you know, you've got candy canes standing next to the Halloween candy nowadays. There is no war on Christmas. It's, it's a marketing maneuver. Yeah. It's a campaign to keep the registers ringing. In the end, whether you're toasting to tradition, whether it's a religious holiday to be observed, or you're making room for every yuletide expression, the season spirit is more about love than it is war. Now, people are going to say, yeah, but when you write Xmas, you're taking Christ out of Christmas. That's really not true because X is Jesus's Greek initial. And this shorthand, Xmas, dates back to the 12th century. Ah. So it's not something new. Right. And it's not something disrespectful. Also, as a secular person, it is frustrating that Christmas is something that has I've grown up with, that is part of my tradition, that is part of my family. And there are those that genuinely don't believe that I should celebrate it because the way that I view it doesn't align with the way they view mm. it. And that's bonkers to me. Especially when the ultimate goal of the holiday, no matter how one celebrates it, is to spread joy and love and peace. Mm. But somehow it's been turned around into a war. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about Santa. His backstory's a little bit tangled up, kind of like your Christmas tree lights. Long before he became the cookie connoisseur that he is now known to be, Santa started as Saint Nick. And we've talked about Saint Nick in previous episodes. Mm -hmm. Saint Nicholas was a Turkish bishop who had a thing for secret gift giving. He would throw gold coins through windows, well, not through the window, an open right. window, um, <laughs> to help those who uh, were struggling at the time. And he would put gold coins in socks and toss them in. And that's kind of where we got a lot of that from. More than once I've filled socks with coins, but they weren't gold. They weren't to help someone out. Let me tell you what. Kicks a mass in a dark park. <laughs> behind a Dollar General store somewhere. <laughs> so St. Nick was less ho-ho-ho and more hush-hush-hush. As centuries passed, St. Nick's reputation for generosity snowballed, and by the time it hit Britain, he'd morphed into Father Christmas, merry old soul with a taste for holiday cheer, of the liquid variety. Yes, Father Christmas was a drunk. Then across the pond in the U.S., it was a melting pot of immigrant tales baked up in a new batch of Santa lore, and it, it, it included Danish pastries known as Kris Kringle. Aha! So everything kind of gets all packed together. I love that shit. And then you've got the power of American pop culture, and you've got uh, Thomas Nast with his jolly Santa illustrations, and 
Who do you think wrote the backstory about our modern-day Santa? Macy's. Well, that's a great guess. L. Frank Baum, the Wizard of Oz guy. Oh, creepy. Santa is a hodgepodge hero. A blend of benevolence and folklore with a dash of commercial zest. I'm sorry. If that's the case, why don't we have more flying monkeys in Christmas? That would make it so much better. (laughs) Right? Flying monkeys dropping gifts off. Yeah. Who needs reindeer? (laughs) Yes, Santa's sleigh is drawn by flying monkeys. (laughs) God, that's horrifying and and delightful. I love it. And we've all heard the story about the, the three kings who dropped by Jesus's crib. Um, But the Bible actually says something different. They weren't kings. They were magi. And they didn't catch baby Jesus in the manger, but they met him when he was a toddler at his house years later. Oh. This story really comes from a 6th century Italian mosaics creative license. Oh. I remember this too growing up as as a kid. My mom was always worried that our Christmas tree was going to burst into flame. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, And that, of course, goes back to the days Uh, in the 19th century when people would actually put candles on the tree. Like lit fire candles. Fire candles. And you always see those public service announcements, even to this day, reminding you trees can spontaneously combust endangering elves everywhere. Uh, But the stats say Christmas uh, tree fires are so rare that it's hardly worth mentioning. You just keep them watered and they're more likely to just shed needles than sparks. More people are are injured during the holidays from falling off ladders. Sure. Decorating the Christmas trees. Make sure to take the lint out of your dryer, though. That's important. That is. <laughs> and then there was this myth, well, this story anyway, circulating that Christmas was actually banned in the American colonies. Is that true? It is true. This is actually one of the true things. Wow. It was Massachusetts, 1659. Puritans. The Puritans. They're passing all kinds of laws faster than you could say figgy pudding. Oh, my gosh. Christmas canceled. Why? Well, the strict lace settlers saw December 25th as less nativity and more notoriety. It was a hash up of, in their mind, heathenry and hullabaloo. Mm. Uh, So for, for the Puritans, the holiday was more like a Roman orgy than the story of Bethlehem. Can we just take a moment and delight in the term heathenry and hullabaloo? Thank you. That is my new catchphrase. (laughs) Heathenry and hullabaloo. I'm changing the whiteboard tonight. Okay. So this happened, and it wasn't just Silent Night. It was Silent Night every night. No carols, no wassail, no decking of the halls. But this ban wasn't just for a year or two. It lasted for two centuries. Only when the 19th century blew in did the winds of change bring Christmas back to the New England calendars. It was a slow burn, but eventually Christmas in Boston went from forbidden fruitcake to the main holiday feast. I didn't realize it was 200 years. Me neither. Have you heard the story about how Santa's uh, outfit, the red and white uh, Santa outfit, Mm -hmm. was actually designed... By Dudley Moore. (laughs) By the Coca-Cola company, because that was their corporate colors. Oh. That's not true. We can all picture the old elf in uh, the Coca-Cola red... 
But he was actually depicted that way years before. It was just kind of a marketing bonanza for Coca-Cola in the 30s during the uh, Depression. They had to drum up some kind of business, and they thought, you know, Santa, we don't have to pay him as a spokesperson. Right. He's far cheaper than Beyonce or Taylor Swift would be. And so they had this caricature drawn of him, and the fact that he had a red and white suit was just a happy coincidence for for Coca-Cola. So we've kind of got it twisted about. Got it. And those illustrations are the ones that really influence our view modern day of Santa, the the fat jolly guy coming down the chimney. So the jolly red suited Santa, the decked out evergreen trees, the very date that we circle on our calendars, all have origins that are surprising, really rooted more in human adaptation and innovation than in unchanging ancient truths. Mm. What we get is a holiday less about historical precision and more about the spirit in which we embrace these traditions, whether we say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays or simply enjoy the twinkling lights and the company of loved ones. That's really the true magic of the season. It really is a melting pot. It is. It's about warmth and goodwill that endures beyond myths and marketing. So as we celebrate this holiday season, no matter how you celebrate, um, let's recognize the wonderfully odd odyssey that has shaped Christmas into the multifaceted celebration that we that we see today. I love it. Can you do more of these? Yeah. Not right now. I'm exhausted. I got my information from history.com. CNN, and the Smithsonian. Again, just a quick thank you for the outpouring of love and support. Mm. Um, It has been a stressful time. Um, And when we are stressed, our anxiety level increases. And my brain, when, when I'm stressed and full of anxieties, tortures me at night. Uh, while I'm trying to go to sleep, yes. it, it it gives me problems to solve that I really don't need to solve. And mm. let me give you an example. Last night, I'm lying in bed and my brain goes, imagine you have a glass staircase and the landing on on the staircase is completely glass and you spill a bowl of uncooked omelet eggs onto the glass mm-hmm. and you only have a sofa pillow to clean it up. How do you do it? And I'm like, shut up, brain. For the love of God, the odds of me spilling an omelet on a glass staircase are minimal at best. Okay, how about this? Somebody made a brick wall and a plastic bag from a grocery store somehow got embedded in the mortar. How do you get it out all the little pieces without without leaving any trace? Shut up, brain. This, so this is what's going on in my head at night. That reminds me of the Kyle Kinane bit where he's talking about how he has insomnia and he's just laying there and all of a sudden his brain goes, do you think you could barbecue a turkey over a volcano? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's what goes on in my head. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, 
That is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States' story, its unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts.